your next step as you walk with God? And uh, Jesus had 12 disciples that he walked with. He ate with them. He taught them. He even fished with them, so you know that. <laughs> Hallelujah. He revealed in his own flesh the glory of God, which I talked about last week, and their lives were forever changed. We sang that this morning. You really can't walk with Jesus, you can't walk with God without your lives being changed. Without your life, is, it's never going to be the same. One of the things that Jesus told his disciples to do in the end of Matthew, it says, go and make disciples. Jesus told his disciples, go and make more disciples. Considering that the latest statistics say there's 2.6 billion Christians, most out of all religions, I would say they did a pretty good job of going and making disciples. What do you think? Yes. And we we carry that on because... We want others to know that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Jesus had a simple process for discipleship, a process that I kind of made up into a math equation, because I like math, but information plus application equals transformation. And last week I shared with you, like, my goal, five classes to teach, which is just some information. But once you have the information then you need to apply it. There's a little diagram that you'll see on the screen. It's kind of in the shape of a circle because when you go through the steps, you're not really done. You come full circle. You help others walk these steps. Throughout these, this is the way that God will transform you as you take these classes and as you apply them. And then you give God glory. Because remember, our story is part of his story for his glory. That was the message last week. Our story is a part of his story for his glory. When we finished last week, I gave you a homework assignment, if you will. I gave you a challenge. I said, memorize one verse in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Did anyone do it? Star pupil Vincent, thank you, give him a hand. He did it. But it's a verse that we memorize. Memorizing scripture is important because it helps us, especially in times of spiritual battles. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That means we take every evil thought, every lie that that we hear, every stinking thinking that goes on up here, and we replace the lie with the truth, the truth of God's word. Well, if you don't know God's word, you won't know the truth. So we memorize scripture. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, that verse that I want you to uh, memorize, remember what I taught on last week. We all, that's all of us, with unveiled face, speaking about Moses when he veiled uh, the glory that faded away, but we all, with unveiled face, we are uh, beholding, that's that word reflecting, beholding the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image of Jesus from glory to glory. From one degree of glory to another. That's why we sang that song. And this all comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So memorize that verse. Keep coming back to it. Write it down. Keep reading it over. It will help you remember that we have a responsibility. We are to reflect God's glory. We are to bring the light. I know you like Jesus's what he said in Matthew 5.16. Shine your light. Shine your light onto others. So they see your good works, and so they do what? Give glory to God. Because God 
loves the glory. He deserves the glory. I also shared last week, I had this vision for us sharing our story with this whole community. There's about 60,000 people that live in St. Clair Shores. We can share our story with everyone. About 15 years ago, I got a knock on the door. Nice woman came to the door. I opened up, you know, back in the days when you actually answered your door. <laughs> I said, hello, how can I help you? She said, we have a free Bible for you. I said, really? Now, I was a Christian. I had lots of Bibles. I, I didn't necessarily need the Bible that she was offering, but I was interested. Like, why are you doing this? Is this your own initiative? She said, no, I'm, I'm doing this because our church, and I don't remember what church it was, but our church has a goal of giving a Bible out to every home in St. Clair Shores. I was blown away. I thought, what a great initiative. What a great goal to have. I have a similar vision, but it's our story. Because not only is the Bible important, obviously, that we hear the truth, but when we hear people's stories, when we are willing to sit down with them and, and listen to what God has been doing in their life, and then we can share with them what God has done in our life, we can lead them into a personal relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, with, with God Almighty. Because the, the, the one, most wonderful thing about how people get saved, for lack of way we usually say it, or how people go to heaven, is that the gospel story, which is part of our story, that's what opens their eyes. That's what it says in Scripture, that when you share your story, that eyes are opened. Eyes are open to truth when you share your story. Because it's, it's the great story of what Jesus has done in your life. So we need to do that. I look forward to when we come together every Sunday and, and I'm just kind of, you know, walking around saying hi to some folks and I hear people saying, hey, I shared my story this week. Hey, did you, can you believe it? This is what God has done. Like that's what I look forward to. That it's just become, it becomes the norm in our church that we go out and we share our story. And I know some of us are afraid to do that. We're, we're nervous that we're going to get asked a question we won't know the answer to. Hey, I've been there. I still get asked questions I don't know the answers to. And I say, let me get back to you on that. That's a great question. You know, we had the, the, the uh, uh, Harper Cruise here just a little bit ago, and our prayer team set up a, uh, an ice cream you know, stand, a, a root beer float stand, and, and people... You know, this one guy said, you know, I got this question, you know, where's your pastor, you know, and so I get summoned over there, you know, and, I'm, I'm, you know, it was a tough question, you know, and sometimes I can answer it and sometimes I can't, but anyhow, I want us to be in that mindset that we share our story and we're willing to share our story. Last week I said, if you come back here, I'll tell you how to live every day for God's glory. What does that look like? How do we live every day for God's glory? Well, the simple answer is, Walk with God. Walk with God. All throughout the Old Testament, you read the Bible, men and women walked with God. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they walked with God. A guy named Enoch walked with God. A guy named Noah, you know, built a little boat. He walked with God. In fact, there's a famous prophet, uh, Micah, in his words, Micah 6, verse 8. 
Micah writes this, He has told you, O man, what is good, what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So how do you live every day for God's glory? You walk humbly with God. Now, this is figurative language. To walk with God is to say that we spend our whole life walking with Him, um, centered on Him. It's a lifestyle. Turning inward to God, not away from God every day. In fact, the Psalms uh, reveal to us, if you read the Psalms, how, how personal of a relationship you can have with God. When you read the Psalms, there's, there's songs about, that were written about our relationship with God, people's relationship with God, spending time with Him. It's an intimate relationship that we can have with God when we spend time with Him. The first Psalm, the very first Psalm, Psalm 1, verse 1, tells us that we can have God's blessings if we don't walk a certain way, but we do walk another way. And you want God's blessings. Am I right? Am I, can I assume that, that? That you're a people that wants God's blessings? Yeah, we always want God's blessings. But there's something that happens when we, to get the blessings. In fact, it says, let me read it to you, Psalm 1.1. Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinner, or sits in the seat of the scoffer. So you can't walk with the wicked, stand with the sinner, and sit with the scoffer and expect to get God's blessing. As I used to tell my high school students all the time, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You're going to walk with sinners, you're going to walk with wicked people, stand with them, hang out with them, see how the progression is, walk, stand, sit. You're spending quality time with these people, they are going to detract you from your walk with God. They will mock God, and eventually, so will you. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Now, as well as Detracting, there's also distractions that we get when we walk with God. I mean, imagine that you took a walk with me and you were trying to share something very personal in your life with me and because I'm a pastor, you're kind of expecting that I'm going to be a good listener and that I'm going to have uh, a good word for you. And imagine you're sharing something just really that is important to you and it's on your heart and I looked at you and I went, <laughs> wouldn't that distract you? Yes. It was either this or a bullhorn, and I didn't want to scare some of you. Think about this for a minute. When you try to walk with God, when you are pouring your heart out to God, and God is listening, and then God is speaking to you through his word, and your cell phone buzzes, or the TV's on, or someone just needs your attention right now, isn't that the same thing as what I just did? How annoying is that when you're trying to have a, a talk with God, and all of the distractions are going on? I'll tell you something I did recently, and it takes... 
Uh, it, it has taken really a lot of self-discipline on, on my part, and I hope it encourages some of you to do the same. Uh, I got into a habit months ago of watching a lot of shows on uh, Netflix. So a lot of different shows, because like many of us, we like to be entertained. And so I was watching a lot of shows, and I, I actually talked about this a, a while back, about there's four um, happy um, drugs that are in our brain, chemicals that get released when we do certain things. One of them is dopamine, and it's an addictive thing that when we actually watch shows on television and we finish a show, like a little squirt of dopamine gives us a pleasure. And it, it, it's like it's very much how addictions happen because it's, it's brain-based. Addictions are that way. And so I was really getting addicted to this. Um, it was sort of a way of like, okay, I'm just too tired to do anything, and so I'm just going to lay down and watch a show or sit down and watch a show. I tell you this because it was distracting me from hearing from God. That's what I was really convicted about. I was not able to focus on God the way I wanted to. My thoughts would often ruminate about the show or what was going on in the show instead of what is going on in my life and what God is trying to teach me and grow me and all of that. And so I was, was thinking that this would be a good solution, that if I just stopped watching TV, so I did, I quit back in July through August and September, now here we are, and it's helped a lot. My head is, is a lot clearer. I'm able to focus on things above. I'm really able to do what it says next in verse 2. Psalm 1-2 says, His delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I'm able to meditate and focus on the truths of God, and I don't hear all that other noise. That's what it means to walk with God. That's what the, the Old Testament teaches us about walking with God. Blocking out those distractions. Getting away from the de detractions, those people that lead us down the wrong paths. But then we get to the New Testament. We read the New Testament and we see that God created a new way, actually a quite amazing way for us to relate to him more deeply than ever. Out of his great love for us, God sent his son Jesus to walk among us. Think about that. No other religion has this kind of relationship with God. No other religion sent their son to walk with man. And even though Jesus went back to heaven, he didn't leave us alone, he did something amazing, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And he lives in us. No other religion can say that. That God is in us. And that allows us to walk with him and bring him glory every day. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote a lot of letters to the churches and helped them live this out. Like, you want to walk with God? You've you got to live this out. And how do you live this out? Well, three walks, three ways that he taught us to walk with God. And I want to go over those because I think they mirror three important relationships that we have. So in 2 Corinthians 5-7, we're going to look at that in a minute, we're encouraged to walk by faith, not by sight. You ever heard that before? Walk by faith, not by sight? In Galatians 5-16, we're told to walk by the Spirit, and in Ephesians 5-2, we're called to walk in love. 
So the title is Three Walks with God. And I think in the Three Walks with God, I think Paul had in mind three relationships. You have an upward relationship with God. You have an inward relationship with yourself. And you have an outward relationship with others. And I think that's what Paul was talking about when he said, walk by faith, walk by the Spirit, and walk in love. And I want to kind of just put that out there for you and help you see what Paul meant when he wrote those. I could preach a sermon like a lot of churches do, which is like a self-help sermon. Scott and I were talking about this recently. What's wrong with self-help books and sermons? The self does all the helping, not God. Think about that. Let that sink in. So I'm not giving you three things or four things or five things that you can just go do yourself so you can walk with God because relationships are not developed by checking off boxes. People grow closer by turning toward each other and embracing life together. Amen? Yes, that's how relationships are developed. God is teaching me this currently. Three walks with God. First of all, how to live every day for God's glory. Number one, walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5. If you have your Bible, you can go there. If, if you don't, if we put it on the screen for you. But these are the two verses that te- tell us about walking by faith. Paul said to walk by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we are always of good courage. Honestly, that translation doesn't really do it justice. What Paul was really saying is is that we have boldness. We have boldness when we walk by faith. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. What does it mean to walk by faith? I wrestled with this a lot. I mean, I know the generic answer of this, but I really wanted to understand it uh, in the context of what Paul was saying here. Think about this for a second. I don't know about you, but uh, I I have a certain feeling about this. How do you feel about walking around in the dark? (laughs) Especially first thing in the morning when, you know, you're kind of a little bit groggy. I mean, every morning I walk from my bedroom into the kitchen, and it's generally pitch black. And I'm not very fond of stepping on sharp objects with bare feet. I'm not very fond of walking into walls. So this 10-second journey that I make every morning makes me feel a little uneasy at times. Sometimes I'm just like, forget it, man. I'm turning on my flashlight on my phone. (laughs) Because I don't like to walk in the dark. And I think that this is what Paul is talking about. When we walk by faith, sometimes that's going to make you feel a little bit uneasy. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're completely in the dark because you can't see what's coming. But who can? God can. Walk by faith, not by sight. So the real question is, do you trust him? That's the real question. And I know we could say, yep, yep, I trust God. But do you really, when it comes down to it? Do you follow Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Do you actually live that out? 
where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, your own sight, but in all your ways, trust Him, acknowledge Him, and He makes what? Your paths straight. He's got the way for you. Do you currently have a fork in the road? Is there something right now in your life that needs to be made, a decision needs to be made? One way or the other way. Which way will you go? Can you see that this way, I can kind of see, this, this way looks a little bit better than this way. I can see that. Is that the way you're going to go? Or are you going to pray? And you're going to read the word? And you're going to trust? Because he knows the best way. Think about it. Sometimes he's going to take you through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you trust your shepherd to do that for you? To take you through that? He's not taking you there to stay, as the psalm reads. He's taking you through it because there are greener pastures on the other side. But do you trust him? Do you trust him? And when you do, that's how you give God glory every day. When you walk by faith, not by sight. Secondly, walk by the Spirit. How do you live every day for God's glory? You walk by the Spirit. There's a chapter in Galatians, chapter 5. It talks all about walking by the Spirit. But I, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Galatians 5.25 also says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's keep up with the Holy Spirit. Well, the whole chapter, chapter 5, is dealing with this battle that's within you. There's a battle that's within you. And just because you're a new creation in Christ doesn't mean those old, bad habits go away. Can I get an amen on that? (laughs) Yesterday, Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Southeast Michigan had a leadership summit And we represented uh, pretty well uh, about eight Lakeview athletes. Uh, One character coach who's here with us today, Ron Wallace, went to it. I uh, had the uh, honor of speaking at it and presenting um, to um, coaches. There was about 45 coaches and uh, leader uh, athletes there that were were, um, wanting to bring as I like to say, bring Jesus to a campus near you. And uh, we're from all over southeast Michigan. And so we learned, and I got to talk about sanctification. That's the process of you being holy as God is holy. And so I was sharing with, with each group that the process of sanctification, the process of becoming holy like God, takes time. When I first became a Christian, I developed some really nice holy habits, some spiritual disciplines. You know, I read my Bible daily, I, I prayed, I went to church, I had a small group, I was serving in the church. I mean, I was all in, but there were some things in my life, some bad habits that I was still doing. And one of those bad habits was I used to go out with my coaching buddies and get drunk after the games. We would go out and, and party and drink. As I began to grow in my faith and renew my mind with God's word, I came across a verse in Ephesians 5.18 that said, don't get drunk with wine. That's the prodigal life. Be filled with the Spirit instead. 
I was convicted by that. And it was a tough thing because these are my friends that I've grown up with, really. Coached with, played with. These are, these are guys I like talking to. We have stories. We have history. But there was this battle inside of me. Flesh versus spirit. And that's what Galatians 5 says. When you read Galatians 5, you see the battle that goes on within us. The flesh versus the spirit. Are you going to walk with the spirit? Are you Are going to walk in the flesh? If you walk in the spirit, you don't gratify the desires of the flesh. And that's what Paul is talking to us. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit. Because when you do that, God will change you from the inside out. So I went to my small group and I asked them to pray for me. I began to pray. I'm sure I asked Jamie to pray for me. And as God began to change me, transform me, the desire to do that, praise God, just went away. It just went away. I had no desire it was amazing in my mind because before I wanted to do that. I wanted to go out and get drunk with the guys. But now I didn't want to do that. It went away, and I praise Jesus. That is what it means to bring glory to God every day. When God changes you from the inside out, and your will, what comes out of your heart, is His will. His good and pleasing and perfect will. That brings God glory. And through Christ who strengthens us, we can overcome temptation, we can overcome obstacles, we can overcome failures. Praise God. Thirdly, how do you live every day for God's glory? You walk in love. You walk in love. Ephesians 5 tells us to walk in love, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God, that's Jesus, if you read the context of the verses before it, as beloved children, verse 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So you see a lot about what it means to walk in love right there. But to really understand what Paul is, is saying here, you've got to read the whole chapter. And when you re- get down to verse 21, he says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit. A word that I found when I counsel with uh, couples before they get married, they don't really like. Because <laughs> I talk about submission because Ephesians 5 is you know, one of the greatest chapters for marriage, for marriage uh, that there is in the Bible. You know, it's submit to one another. So... Um, Sometimes I, I, I compromise and I say, okay, let's use the word yield. How's that? Can we use the word yield? And one, one nice um, uh, lady said, yes, that works better for me. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Yield, I like that better. You know, submit just has a, a negative, I guess, uh, vibe to it, if you will. But really submitting or yielding is letting the other person go ahead of you, isn't it? I mean, that's really what Paul is saying here. Submit to one another. He gives examples children, with parents, wives, husbands, and so on. So walking in love, the word love is agape love, which implies sacrifice, to develop your relationships with others, to love others as Christ loves you. But there's another place that Paul talks about walking in love. It's in Romans 14. And in Romans 14, the context of this is really interesting. He says in verse 15, if your brother 
meaning your, your, your friend in Christ, is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. Now that's interesting. Of course, you've got to know what the context here is. There's a parallel passage in 1 Corinthians 10. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And he's tying together this, this thought that I'm trying to help you see today is that how do you give, glory every, give God glory every day? How does God get the glory when you walk in love with your brother or sister in Christ? Now let's be honest, friends. It's easy if you like a brother or sister in Christ. There's a lot of people in this room that like each other. You have stuff in common, you talk throughout the week, you do stuff throughout the week. week. But what about the ones that you don't really like? Got really quiet in here, didn't it? What about the ones that you've had a little conflict with? Every church has conflict because every church has people, right? Conflict's not the problem. It's the inability to properly handle the conflict. It's the unwillingness to resolve the conflict. That's the problem. It's the pride that gets puffed up inside of you or the hurt feelings so you don't forgive them. That's the problem. And that's what God wants us to deal with. He wants us to walk in love. And some of you might be fidgeting in your chairs. Let me just tell you, that's the Holy Spirit moving your little butt around. And it's a good thing because God wants you to get healed. He doesn't want the church to have conflict. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, he wants the church to have unity. Unity doesn't mean we agree on everything, but it means we deal with the conflict. We forgive our brothers, our sisters. We move past the hurts and the problems. This is what I love about teaching God's Word. When you teach all of it, the Holy Spirit gets in your business. I mean... There's churches that only preach feel-good topics. They're not going to build you up. Ephesians 4.15 tells us to speak the truth in love so we grow up in every way into Him who is the head, Jesus Christ. I'm speaking to you the truth in love right now because I want you to grow up and I want you to apply God's Word and I want you to walk in love. So what's going on here in Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 10? In that culture, you got Jewish Christians that abided by the law, obeyed the 613 commands, and they had you know, dietary laws in their uh, rules to follow that honored God that didn't allow them to eat certain things and drink certain things. Now, Paul understood and he taught it's not necessary that we follow the law in that sense anymore because we have freedom in Christ but some of the people, their conscience, would just wouldn't let them do it anymore. So Paul is teaching them here to do everything for God's glory. And the bigger issue here is how they were treating one another. How are they loving one another? Look what it says in verse 13 of chapter 14, Romans. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. If a brother is grieved by what you're eating, 
you are no longer walking in love. So, so don't be selfish about your way. Understand what's going on around you. And there's plenty of ways to apply this today. You know, if you grew up in a church that um, maybe gave the sign of the cross after you prayed or, or, or whatever, and you still do that today, I'm not going to judge you for that. And nobody else should either. If, if you like to raise your hands in, in worship, maybe you like to dance around a little bit when you praise God. We're not going to judge you for that. If you want to recite the Lord's Prayer, you shouldn't be judged for that. But you should be willing to dive into God's Word and see what's really right and what's not right. For example, maybe you come from the New Age movement into Christianity. In the New Age movement, they teach you to rely on yourself, and there are no moral absolutes. Well, if you come into Christianity and you bring that baggage with you, there's going to be a little bit of a problem because Christianity teaches the opposite of that. We trust in God, and there are moral absolutes. So walking in love definitely involves speaking the truth in love and loving each other. And it also means you resolve conflict. If you don't believe me, listen to Jesus. Jesus said, and the Sermon on the Mount. If you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Be reconciled to your brother. Then come offer your gift. Resolving conflict is that important. It comes before your worship. So we walk in love with others. When we do, we glorify God. Three walks with God. Three important relationships. I pray the Holy Spirit will do what he does best in your life. And you will submit, yield to what he is doing and what he's calling you to do. Pray about it. But don't pray about it like, oh yeah, I'm going to pray about it. Pray about it. Get into the word. All scripture is useful for teaching you, rebuking you, correcting you, and training you so you will be equipped for every good work. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this word. It is convicting, but it's also encouraging, Lord, that you love us so much that you're willing to walk with us. And Lord, as we develop our relationships with you, within ourselves and with others, God, help us. Give us that boldness, that courage to walk by faith, to walk by the Spirit, and to walk in love. I pray this in your name. And the church said, Amen. Amen.